welcome to episode 393 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. This is a special video episode. So if you are just listening and you would rather see me and my fabulous guest, just go to YouTube, type in We Don't Die Radio 393. Just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find great things like medium classes, free demonstrations, our Sunday gathering, which of course is free, inspirational, with a medium demonstration included, and so many other great things. I also have a second podcast. I was asked by our friends at iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM to create a different kind of episode. It's called Shades of the Afterlife. You'll find that on your favorite podcast channel. And now there are over 130 hours of episodes. And what makes that different is that that show, I can talk about many subjects all in one hour and the latest afterlife news. Whereas this show, we get quality time with just one guest. So you want to make sure you check them both out because I'm proud of them both. Our guest today is my friend, Chris Jacobs, who I had the pleasure of meeting and spending some time with five years ago at a retreat with physical medium, Stuart Alexander. Chris is an acclaimed British medium, tutor, and author of a brand new book called A Life Far From Ordinary, My Life with Spirit, where he shares his difficult start at a very young age to now helping countless people around the world know the reality of the afterlife and the reality of the love that surrounds us all. He has stories of personal encounters within the book of some of the finest mediums of the last century, including Gordon Higginson and his lifelong friend and mentor, Glenn Glenn Edwards. Chris holds the CSNU Certificate of the Spiritualist National Union for both speaking and demonstrating as a medium. You can find out more about Chris at his website, which is chrisjacobsmedium.co.uk. Chris, it's so nice to see you. Welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. Yes, it's lovely to see you again in the in the flesh, so to speak. <laughs> in the flesh. Yes, I feel like I owe you an apology because you sent me a manuscript of your book long time ago, and I just didn't have an opportunity to read it. And I was on our friend Stuart Alexander's website, and he had recommended reading, and I saw your book was published. I thought, oh, this is the time. This is the time. So thank you for being available. And sorry, I didn't. we didn't do this interview sooner. That's not a problem. It's the right time when it's meant to be. I agree with you 100%. So I know, because I just finished reading your book this morning, it hasn't been an easy road. You have certainly experienced your fair share of grief. Wondering if you could tell us how it all began and take us back to some of those earliest memories with you in spirit. Well, going back to childhood, um, well, actually, I want to say here is even though I didn't have the greatest of starts in life and it was pretty rough in places, you know, I don't regret a moment of it, you know, and because I, I, I find any good medium, any great medium will have known suffering in their life. And that is twofold because it really looks at helping you become the better person. 
and you can then make your own life choices from that. But also in the work that I do and countless others do, we have an empathy with those who are already suffering. We know what it's like. We've been there. You know, okay, the uh, it is may not be the same kind of suffering, but it is suffering nonetheless. And so we have that empathy. We can understand. We can portray it from the spiritual point of view, which is you know, with the communicator. They may have suffered or they may understand that their loved one is suffering. So we are in touch with those feelings straight away. And we're in that good position that we can then express that to the recipient, hopefully in a very good manner. You know, so yes, I suffered. And really, it's not, it's not the suffering you should expect from your mother, shall we say. You know, a mother who is meant to nurture you, love you, encourage you. But I didn't have that. But it didn't stop me loving in a strange way. I always was aware of these other people, as we put, these others, messengers of God, as I used to put them and say to them, uh, call them, sorry, because they were all good to me because I didn't know about spirit. But I would see them and they would talk to me and they would help me. They'd help me understand and get through these different and difficult situations. So I was born into a family uh, of a very young mother. She was only 15 when she got pregnant with me. And so because she came from a very middle-class family, um, back in the day, that's we had these kind of class systems, working system and middle-class system, we were slightly better off. And her father was Irish um, from Southern Ireland and a very uh, staunch Catholic uh, was was their family. And because my mom and dad weren't married, my father was about three years older than my mother. So it wasn't really the dumb thing back then. So when she got pregnant, the the general conception was, well, we're going to have to deal with this, send my mother to Ireland to the then houses of Magdalene, in which way I would have been, I would have disappeared into a fostering system or something like that. Um, but my grandmother, who was English, decided that that wasn't to be done. She didn't want it that way. She still wanted a daughter in this country. So she found a, um, what's a convent run by nuns was quite a few miles away. So before my mother could show with the pregnancy, she was sent to the convent uh, to give birth there. And then they decided that soon after the birth, um, they would make plans to for my mother and father to marry. And they didn't really have an option. And I don't think his parents really had an option either because they went around and just did that. Um, and, I, you know, in a way, I felt kind of, I do feel sorry for my mom, because in quick succession, she had another four children. There was a fifth after that, uh, another one. So it would have made six of us, um, but she had an abortion on that one um, because she just couldn't do any more. So by the age of 22, 
She was a mother, well, 22 and a half, a mother of five children. So we were all pretty young and all in pretty quick success. And and looking on back in reflection, you know, she was still a child. She was still a girl and having to all come overcome all of that. And so, you know, her way of dealing with things was just not very good, you know, and, and as pretty young, I can remember she became quite involved with alcohol and she did become an alcoholic. Uh, and I would suffer at the hands of, of that, you know, I mean, we've all had experiences in different ways, you know, I'm not any different to anybody else. It's just that, you know, my life taught me something different. And it taught me the way of the spirit as well, because I had nobody else to rely on. There was father um, was around, but he, I don't ever recall seeing him a lot. You know, it was really, really strange. You know, he, him and my mother then divorced when I was about 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. And mother moved on. And that's when it got real bad you know, for me. So, you know, I don't want to bore everybody or scare everybody here with, with what went on, but there was, you know, there was, a, there was the physical abuse, the mental abuse and sexual abuse that I'd suffered at the hands of others. Um, and as I said, each thing taught me something. When you know, did the spirit world step in? When did you start hearing from them? Right. When I started to, I, they would start to inform me from a very young age of what was going to, what was coming when it was next coming. They get ready. Uh, you know, the violence or the abuse was about to start, you know, and I would, you know, and I would. They actually taught me a very neat trick, which I only now in later years understood that it would be very important within my mediumship. And that was to learn to step aside in my mind. So I was aware, I had awareness, you know, I was conscious, but I wasn't really there, if you know what I mean. It went on, you know, and when, when the, with the, especially with the physical abuse, the violence, you know, I didn't really always, you know, I could, it's, it's strange to try and say I felt it, but I didn't feel it in the same way. You know, and they they learnt, helped me to just move. It always seemed to me like I just moved to the right side of my brain, in a way, and right side of my head, and so that I was aware of what was happening. I could see what was happening. I think the big cutters, the big change came for me when I was about nine, ten years old, and I was on the stairs, and this is when mother really beat me. There was a real beating here, and it changed me in so many ways in the fact that at that moment, I can quite categorically say that's when the love for my mother died. I felt it die within me, and she knew it because she could see it in my face and in my eyes. That just all of a sudden, my eyes just looked up at her, and it was like seeing somebody different. It was just some seeing somebody different, and I felt it in my heart that, you know, that it died. 
But then I had the love of spirit, the love of those in the unseen world who were still very much there with me. I could see them. Sometimes I could see them, you know, let's clear this point. I could see them as I see you and I. But a lot of times it was like looking through somebody or it was just a light in the shape of a of a bee of a person you know and i would know that and i learned very early on that i was seeing it and others weren't mm. i didn't really need to see because i could see that i could see it and then nobody else was taking notice but i never spoke up chris i read this morning and this really touched me there was a point that you didn't know if you could go on and you had a conversation with the spirit world not not knowing and their response to you and i just want to read this of course you can come home anytime you want but your life has a purpose and we would like you to fulfill that purpose first if we promised you that life could be better could you carry on a little longer it won't be tomorrow or next week but it will happen yeah i'll always remember that that was most vivid night of my life it was the night uh the last night of my 12th year before my 13th birthday and um for one of my mother's many punishments or whatever it was at the time i had to sleep in the bathroom on a on a camp bed perched precariously above a bathtub and often would fall it which would just collapse into the bath and i think for that birthday you know Coming to it's your year, you're coming into your teens. I could see friends and that at school. They were, you know, people at school enjoying life and, you know, really excited about their teens and what it was going to hold for them. And I couldn't see anything different than what I'd already gone through. There was nothing else. I couldn't speak to people at school what were going home, what was going on at home. And I really felt it in the heart that night because it, I was not looking forward to, to my birthday. It was going to be no different to any other time. And it was a cold and crisp October evening, and I'd opened the bathroom window, and I could see all these beautiful stars. They really did. I don't recall ever seeing them look brighter, but they looked really bright to me and so, you know, and so alluring. And that's when I really felt the presence of spirit and that's when I spoke to them because they knew what was going on in my heart. They knew, they felt it. And I could feel their their warmth and their love. And that's when I spoke to them. I really, I was tired. At 12, well, 13 years old, I was tired of life. I was tired of what I'd seen of life, what I'd experienced of it. And I couldn't see any future. You know, I was only, I was a baby still. So really, why would I see anything different? And that's when I really spoke to the, the spirit world, because I always had this understanding that this life was not it. You know, that I belonged to a greater life. There was a life there that belonged to me that was more real than this. And I always naturally just called it home because I believed I came from there and I believed I was going 
back there, nobody taught me anything, you know, anything different. Because back then, they were talking about the 1970s. And, um, you know, it was very much about all oh, the church, this, you know, Christian and, and Catholic, this and that. And they had very staunch views, you know. And so there was nothing taught, uh, anything remotely about spiritual life. And that's when I, I quite, as you said, read out, you shouted out, well, taught out those words, you know, through tears. And I was crying at the time through a lot of tears because I genuinely had enough and I wanted to go back. And that's when I heard out of the darkness, I didn't even see them. I just heard the voice and knew they were behind me and I didn't need to turn around and look. I just kept on looking at the stars. And that's when I heard them say those very beautiful words, you know, to me. And it was kind of a way, I think I understand it now as a sort of some sort of contract in a way, but I kind of understood that without knowing it at that time, you know, they made that promise and I'd always believed them. They always knew when things were going to happen and they always warned me. And so why didn't, why could, shouldn't I not believe them now? Right. And that's when I told them, you know, that I would do that. Chris, how did you get introduced to spiritualism and get out of the house? I know that happened at a young age. Can you tell yeah. us about that. I think um, when I was 15, I uh, I was in my fifth yeah I was I, I, I just yeah just turned fifteen. Sorry, forgive me. It's age. It's a long time to think back that far. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> you know, we get to a certain age and everything seems a bit blurred. Uh, but I I remember that mum had beaten me again something and I had got scratches all over my necks and and it was it was particularly vicious, but something inside of me really, really changed, you know, and it was like I would, could hear myself speaking, but it was like I wasn't speaking. It was like something else. And I do believe the spirit had a huge influence in this. And that's when I just turned around because she'd always said to me, oh, you can leave anytime you like, you know, blah, 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 you know, get out, whatever, you'll never survive without me, blah, blah, blah. And this was the moment that I knew that it was done. Our life together was done. It was finished. Even though I loved my sisters dearly and I wanted to protect them as the older brother, I knew that they, they would be all right. They were stronger than I in all of this. And so I just told her, Mom, you know, when you said I could always leave. And she looked at me, yeah, well, I'm leaving now. And I just walked out of the room and I walked into my room to get my little Bible. When we started secondary school, we were all given this new little testament. And it's the only one thing, not clean underwear, <laughs> no underwear, no clothes. I didn't hardly have any clothes at all anyway. But it was just this one Bible that I knew I had to take with me and just wanted to take because it was my peace of God, you know. And so as I went into that room to do that, I heard her fly out of the living room, pass my door and go out through the other door to see, to, for her to look for me because she knew I'd gone that way. 
So I took the opportunity and went out the other door. And I left. I walked the streets for two days. I found an old caravan site, a uh, caravan site where people lived on, and there was a shower block. So at night, I locked myself in there so I wouldn't be harmed. Uh, you know, I wouldn't come to any harm. And then I decided that this was not a life plan. And so I was encouraged to go to what's known as social services here in England, where they, you know, they help children and families. And I just went there, walked in. They don't want to look at me. They knew who I was because they'd already had association with our family. And I just told them that I couldn't go back and I would never go back, but I would never tell them what happened to me. And the rest was history, as they say. You know, but it was spirit that guided me that was there. They were still talking to me. You know, they kept me safe and they led me to these places. I wouldn't have known at that age. For a 15-year-old, I mean, 15-year-olds now are more like <laughs> adults. I was very young, very naive. I had no experience really in life. Um, obviously, I was because I was so shy and timid and I never spoke out of turn, I really had no experience of anything really. And so I l totally relied on um, on the spiritual senses, really. Did you attend a spiritualist church and see a medium demonstration? I know you talk about a lady named Elsie starting a circle for you at some yeah. point. How, how did that come about? Well, this came about after I'd left home. And uh, I'd left home and I was now living in, I'd left um, living in a boy's home. So I completed my final year at school and did that. And then they deemed myself, uh, deemed me as being able to get care of myself uh, because th all through my childhood, I didn't, you know, I had to do my own so washing, ironing, cooking, sewing and all of that. Uh, mother never did any of those. So I was well-versed in all of those. And they deemed that I could, uh, on the premise of getting a job, go and find somewhere to, you know, to live by myself, which I did. And so I found a job. And then I recall I was on a bus one day. I was uh, I was living in a place called St. Anne's. And we have like double-decker buses. I don't know about America. And the top bus, the top layer of the bus, the top floor, it was quite a long journey, but it was a, a funny motion. And somehow I'd kind of just gone into like a torpor, a little bit of a of a, a sleep or, um, you know, or even some may even called it a bit of a trance. And then next thing I heard was spirit shouting very loudly in my ear, get off, get off, get off, it's your stop, you know, sort of thing. So bleary-eyed, I shot up out of my chair and just ran down the stairs and flew off the bus. and. By the time I pulled myself together, the bus had gone, and I was—I realized that this was not my stop, that it was about three stops before where I was supposed to go. And when I looked up, I saw this lovely old building, and there's, there is a picture in the book um, that you can see it. And I read the words, Spiritualist Church. And I just stood there looking at it when I heard spirit again talk to me and say, go inside. Now, in front of me, there were some steps leading up to some beautiful ornate doors, big doors, massive doors. 
and I could see from where I was standing that was a padlock on the door. So I said, it's not open. I can't get in. So I was told, look to the left. There are some steps. Go down those steps and open the door. And sure enough, I could see to the left there were some steps. So I made myself well, uh, carefully down them because they were quite steep. And um, this time, I noticed that the time was about quarter past two in the afternoon. It was a Wednesday afternoon. So um, the only one day afternoon in the week besides Sunday, they open or they have a, a meeting is on a Wednesday afternoon. I wonder if that was coincidence. You know, and so I did as instructed. Now, this is bear in mind a very shy young boy who wouldn't say boo or, or anything to anybody. But I walked down these stairs, I just followed and I grabbed the handle and opened the door. And as I looked in, the place was crowded. I didn't even get a chance to feel horror, really, I'd, even though I know I was feeling it. And on the uh, little platform at the far end was a lovely old lady uh, who I now know to be the medium and giving a demonstration. Um, everybody turned around and looked because they obviously heard the door open. But this beautiful lady just said to me, ah, come in, sit down at the back. I've been expecting you. And we will talk after the service over a cup of tea. I was totally flabbergasted. She didn't know me. I didn't know anybody in that room. You know, how could somebody be expecting me, you know, when they don't know me? And then it was there that I understood at this 16 years old that I was a medium. What had been happening to me was spirit and was all spiritual. The people I was seeing were not actually God. They were spirit people and that's where i first learned about it and i always remember her first name billy i can't remember her second name for the life of me but that was a beautiful experience and so young and when did you start sitting for your own development it wasn't long after that um i was encouraged to come back to their uh, open circle which was on a friday evening and so I did, and I started uh, to join that on a, a Friday evening at 7.30 and sit there. Um, and they were, again, it was in this actual same room, and there would be a medium on in the evening who would give uh, one message and then would encourage people or ask people within the, uh, the gathered assembly um, if they had any messages or they wanted to give some philosophy or anything or... And so I sat there for quite some time at the back and I was quite happy and content to watch everybody and do what they they do. And, you know, I was quite struck by it, really. And then uh, going towards the end, um, the dreaded bit happened where the medium suddenly pointed to me and said, you've got a message. You've got somebody there with you. You know, and I would, no, I haven't. Oh, yes, you have get up on your feet. And so in that moment of getting up on my feet, I really couldn't feel I didn't know anything. So I just thought, you know what, I'll make anything up just so I can just sit down. And so as I swept the room, 
I was drawn to this one lady and I just don't know. Which, or, or I couldn't see anybody else, really. It was just her and her hair of flame red, tall, upright, very strong looking woman. And so um, I gave her a message and it, it, she said, you know, I just thought I was making it up. But she said it was absolutely spot on and correct. You know, I've since learned that if we let go, you know, and don't be so caught up in the message, that's when we can give a really good message. Because in that moment where you think I'm just going to, you know, make it up, we actually just let go of ourselves and we make it so much easier and clearer for the spirit world to make that communication. And so after that service, that lady wanted to put a circle together for me if I was agreeable to that. And so I thought, why not? Yes. And and so it was from there. From So I started sitting from just the tender age of uh, about 16 and a half years old. So young. Oh, my goodness. You tell a story also in the book of um, meeting your guide. And I believe you thought it was someone Chinese. Well, I didn't, in a way, it wasn't meeting them as per se. Uh Um, In those days, I don't know, everybody seemed to have a guide who was either Chinese or a Native American Indian. And I was thinking, well, who have I got? And I was feeling very left out, you know, and thinking, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? I don't know who it is, you know, and who they are, you know. So... Um, you know, it just came to me, okay, I've got a Chinese guide and he was called Ching and that came through, but he was never Chinese and he was never Ching. You know, later on, I do say that it was, you know, it was some 20 odd years to 30 years before I actually got to know who he truly was, you know, and it was all because of that, that want and that need. And that's what spirit did for, for me. And I felt, you know, that are quite privileged when I asked and I talked about that, you know, they said, we gave you what you needed at that time. It was always just what you needed. You wrote in the book, know me by my presence, not by my name, such as my love for you, that I was willing to be whatever you needed me to be. That is so loving. Do we all have guides? Do we all have these souls all, that are looking after us we all do it's not just the preserve of a medium we all have those beautiful souls in the spirit world that are there wanting to help us wanting to give us a little bit of direction you know when we all cry out and there are moments of anguish and we say it's like we get that feeling you know this is them this is them that give us that push you know, those things of, you know, we think that are coincidence, you know, are they? Or is that the spirit world in action? You know, so I, you know, and I really believe that. I know that they have those words that you've just said, gosh, they make me tingle every time. When I think of those, I really feel it in my heart and I feel that tingle because I've never forgot that. I think I didn't put it in the book, but I think I broke down in tears after what he said with that because it really struck. It was all about my needs, you know, and not his, not theirs. 
And that's what you have so many. That's okay. I'm just excited. You have so many parts of the book and I read the Kindle edition. So I will get a hard copy because I just wanted to underline, 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 because the words from the spirit, they spoke to my soul. And I know people listening and watching right now, life isn't easy. And I don't think it's meant to be, but what's possible through our struggles and the opportunities to serve another and opportunities to grow and learn. There is light at the end of the tunnel, as they say, there, there really is. And if you're in the shoes right now that you're struggling with something, just hold on, hold on. There, there is help around. Um, Chris, you, well, you and I met, met at Cobra Hill, which was wonderful. So yeah. we're both familiar with evidential mediumship and trance mediumship and physical mediumship. But for yourself, you've been in circles, even for yourself, when tables have moved and trumpet has levitated. Could you tell us a story? Because I can't imagine as a young man having stuff happen like that, because it goes way outside of what we know should happen. But it's just yeah. beautiful evidence that there is a much bigger picture. Yeah, uh, sure. I just want to touch on what you said before about, you know, hold on, there is help coming, there is all of this. You know, we've got to, we've also got to accept as human beings, as spiritual beings, we are strong. We're stronger than we actually think. That help is always there. How many times do we actually help it, uh, ask for that help and really mean it? You know, our life is an experience. And we unfortunately, we do have to go through the bad to understand the good, to know the purity of love, to know the actual generous, the generosity of life and the generosity of each other. You know, and so if we stopped looking at the negative so much, which we do, we're human, but try and look at those extreme possibilities that are there within each other, then I think we can really make a good go of this life. I just wanted to add that in, Thank you know, you. because sometimes yeah, we go through a bad thing and I've been talking through bad things, but you know what? I'm living the best life ever now. That's because I made that choice. And you and I know if we make that choice, then life can be better, whatever life throws at us. So coming back to what your 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 question there about uh, the physical circle, I presume you're talking about. I'd already had the good fortune to meet Glyn. I met Glyn when I was 18 years old. Glyn Edwards. Glyn Edwards, uh, that famous medium, you know. And um, he took me around so many places and experienced so many different uh, churches, workshops, and different seen so many mediums now, which we now reflect on in this you know, this day and age. But he invited me to join and go and experience a physical circle, which he was a part of. Now, this circle consisted of Glyn, um, a lady and gentleman called Chair Maisie, and uh, a lovely lady called Jean Matheson, who used to be Gordon Higginson's secretary and indeed Glyn's, you know, their personal uh, assistant. And it was at Jean's home. And they would go and 
sit in this specially formulated room. This room set up specially for the circle. Now, Glyn prepped me beforehand that I had to be in a good state of mind. So we meditated in the afternoon. Boy, I've never had a meditation quite like that. And since where I really went into it very deeply. And when I came out, there was a thunderstorm going on. I hadn't even knew. I hadn't even heard, you know. Uh, so it, it promised to be a good evening. So I made myself ready. Made, you know, we got there and uh, I would, the formalities were explained to me beforehand, you know. And so really not knowing what to expect because I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I didn't even know it it was going on really. And so we went to this lovely room, which was actually her dining room, but there was a big solid oak table, which, you know, takes a couple of grown men to lift it, move it around and these solid oak chairs around it. And looking around the room, uh, there were little bells or little dangling things hanging from the ceilings that would like little, like little wind chimes. If, if you want, you know, so to speak. And also they were dotted here and there. And also was this cylindrical, cylindrical cone in the middle of the table, which we call a trumpet. And at both ends, it was painted some fluorescent light uh, paint. So that would glow in the dark. It's because we were to sit in those days, we, we sat in the dark. So and there was a red light available. So we said our prayers, we did our songs. And then uh, the leader of the circle, which was Jean, you know, would speak to the spirit and she would ask some questions. And we all had our hands on the table, you know, and I I could still sense everybody that around me. I could tell they weren't moving or anything like that or pushing the table. And it would take somebody quite strong to lift and push that table. Um, but it started jumping up and down. So we did A, B and C and it would stop at, you know, the appropriate letter until it spelt out a word. You know, and I thought, wow, this was amazing. But being so young and naive, of course, I wanted more, you know, and I wanted my questions answered and in that I had it within me. And so I spoke in my mind, tele, you know, via telepathy to the spirit world and just asked that if everything what I was seeing was real, that they were real and that what I was doing and what I was told I would be doing was real, then lift that solid oak table into the air just above my head. I would never doubt them again. Well, you could have knocked me over with a feather. The table started jumping up and down. Else, uh, um, Jean started, slow down, friends, slow down. I can't do They're trying to do the ABCs. They couldn't do it. You know, and this chair was at uh, this table was doing bouncing up and down one end, bang, 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 and quite furiously, really. And I was just sat there, uh, absolutely gobsmacked, as it were. And then all of a sudden, this cylindrical cone flew into the air, no sound, nothing, it to the middle of the the room, and then it just started whizzing round that it became a perfect circle of white light. So that shows you the speed. And that was from the fluorescence uh, of the bottom of the tube there. And then this trumpet started slowed down and came down to my level, to my face level, and stopped, what, maybe 
10, 12 inches from my face. And then came a voice, and this is called a direct voice down it. Don't ask me where the voice box was. I don't know. I was just, all, all I could feel was these waves of like love coming from it. These animations that from something that was inanimate. And then the voice came through it and beautiful, kind, uh, sounded like an older man's voice down this uh, trumpet that said his name was Brother David. So I knew he was a monk. And he just simply said, my child, we're not here to entertain you, but merely prove that we do exist. And what you do is real. My you know, oh talk my about gosh. shivers until, you know, and then he just said, circle over. And this trumpet just floated back into the same exact spot where it came from on the table. And they all said the prayers, all then looked at me. I couldn't speak. They asked me what was going on. Glyn was, I didn't know if Glyn was furious with me or what, but, you know, he, what have you done? What did he do? What was it? <laughs> you know, but I literally, I was just, I was, I think I was shaking as well. I really couldn't, <gasps> you know, at 19 years old to have had that happen. I've sat in a few physical circles since. I've never seen one like that ever since. How special. It is real. And I'm very close to physical medium, Scott Milligan, and we've been doing yeah. trance demonstrations online. And just recently, we recorded how to do home circles. Because, right. you know, back in the day, a lot of people met, got together, would sing. And now people are separated. Of course, COVID just changed this earth about people getting together. Plus, we're so busy with technology these days that it's very rare that people get together and sing and all this. But wouldn't it be nice to have people in the spirit world, more importantly, have an opportunity to work again? So we encourage people, if you're interested in that, to check yeah. that out. Yeah, it's I've beautiful. actually sat in, a, I've been to some of uh scott's circles myself so I've, I've seen i've been privileged to when he's been tied up to check all his restraints yes oh so i was i was actually in those in a place called banyan at that time yes oh. a few years ago so yes and spirit you know even though we're doing this uh, on zoom you're doing this on zoom you know spirit will work will utilize that they want to work that way why not They've always been able to manipulate electric things of an electrical nature. Yes. You know, they can do all of that. So why not? You know, they're all about advancement. I think we hold spirit back an awful lot. You know, they really want to, they want to push the boundaries just as much as you and I do, but yet we limit them. It's very exciting. I think yeah. the first step is knowing that they're real. And that yes. we're part of something so much bigger. And we all have that mind. We all have that ego. We all have skepticism. And certainly there's some con artists out in the world. So it's, it's good oh, to yes. have skepticism, but to know that they're real. It is. You know, the essential message of spirit is, yes, we can do the trance. We can do the physical. We can do all that. Those are just like um, the icing on the cake, really. The true message, the true part of the cake is, is that, like your show suggests, we don't die. 
we are forever. We always have been. We always will be. And that love that was so prevalent in your life lives on, you know. And when our loved ones come back from the spirit world, their simple message is through the proof of evidence that, you know, I loved you then. I love you now. And I still live and I still watch what you're doing. And what I want you to do is to live your life and the best possible way of living that life now. Experience all that you can. And that's the true message. They want you to live the best possible life you can possibly live now. You know, you have no regrets. You've got forever to correct our mistakes. That's the beauty of it, isn't it? When we think about it. It's really good news. We feel it so is. pressured all the time. Chris, what advice would you have for us? Oh, talking to our loved ones who have passed on or listening to them or listening to our guides. Is it as simple as asking? Because I know the voice I hear in my head a lot. It's not always so positive. <laughs> but with you, you clearly heard them. Do you think we can develop this relationship to be able to hear them or sense their presence? Of course, yes, I do believe that. But how many of us are still enough, long enough? You know, you've really got to, I think you've really got to learn to be able to focus your mind, you know, concentration. It's all about discipline. As a child, I heard them stronger than, obviously, than I do now, because I was so uncomplicated. I didn't know anything about life. I didn't have computers. I didn't have all these different things. I, I had virtually nothing. So life was a lot more simplistic then, you know? And so there was nothing, spirit didn't have all this clutter to get through, you know, whereas now we've got all these things going on around us. And how many of us time do we say, oh, I'm too busy. I can't do this. And I can't do that. If you want to learn about spirit, you want to understand about spirit, you want to feel them, hear them, then learn to sit still. Learn to go into that silence. Learn to be able to declutter your mind so that, you know, yes, you're going to always have thoughts come in, but you don't need to seize upon them and think about them. Just let them come, let them go. You'll know which is you and which is the spirit world. I always know when the spirit world's talking to me. They can converse with us in very many ways, you know? But I like the voice inside my head. And that's not because I'm start raving mad. But I love the voice in my head, you know, that I hear. Because there's a certain way that Matthew speaks to me, and that's my guy. The way he speaks to me and makes me feel at that time he's speaking. That's when I know it's him. Because there's a certain feeling and when that I can't even replicate that feeling myself. I can't fool myself in that way. You know, I always know, we know when I'm asking questions like we all do, and then the answer comes back, yes, yes, yes. And then I go back away, analyze and think, oh, maybe that's me, you know, because that was just a little too quick and a little, you know, wasn't enough around it. You know, so I do believe we can all listen to spirit you know, it might not be in voice, it might be a feeling, it might be pictorial, you know, it's just a knowing. I want to read another quote that's in your book, but this isn't from you. 
you know who it's from. Before you can touch the spirit, you must find it within yourself. For all truth, all knowledge, and all love must be found first within oneself. Gordon Higginson. Yes, exactly. Talk he to was... us about Gordon. Sorry? Tell you about Gordon. Yes. Well, you know, they see this great man, this great icon, you know. But remember, he was a man, too. He was very witty. He was very fun. You know, he, you know, I didn't, I was a little scared of him at first because he'd have this look. You know, I don't, you could never fool Gordon, but listening to, you know, listening to some of his um, talks, his lectures, oh my God, I could have sat for hours and days even and listened to him. This man had a way of uh, commanding you commanding the audience just by his inflection, by his tone and by his stories. You know, he was a very great orator, as I would call him. He is, you know, he was the epitome of this spirit incarnate for me. That's the only way I can and explain him. He was, and then when he was away from it all, he was quite humorous. He was quite funny. You know, I remember we once we all went to dinner. There was a few of us. We all went to dinner there and we were listening uh, to Glenn talking about spirit. And uh, I knew what was coming And uh, across the table. Gordon would have just lift his eyebrow here or there and do make a little gesture. And honestly, it was very hard for me to try and conceal my laugh, you know, as those to say to Glenn, hmm, really, you know. But uh, he was a very, he was a very good man. He knew people as well. You know, I think many mediums um, forget, you know, when we're working with the spirit world, it's all about the spirit. For me, you know, it's about people too, because we are spirit. And we quite a lot of mediums forget about the spirit that sat in front of us, you know? That that need spirit need has needs. That spirit needs nourishing. You know, it's not just about the spirit world, but it's about the spirit experience here too. Oh, I agree. You know, and he had a way of doing that. What a wonderful yeah. opportunity! So, he was big on ethics and development and integrity, right? And I know. These yes. days, and this is something I'm really passionate about, and people that follow the show know sometimes I get on a good rant that spiritual people that claim to be spiritual are many are lacking that spirituality and the ethics. And could you talk just a little bit about the code, good code of ethics for a medium, as Gordon taught? Right. Well, you know. <sighs> I would quite agree with you here. I mean, some of the least spiritual people I've met are professed spiritualists. Right. You know, some of them, it beggars belief. You know, I find, you know, your doctor, your nurse, your carer, you know, those that go out and help are the most spiritual people I've ever met. You know, when you see how they really care about people and they can really help them and have that healing. You know, ethics, we know we all know you should never go out and hurt anybody intentionally. Gordon was always about, you know, I'll always remember him instilling in me, you know, if you want to, you know, to do this, to be a medium, then he always used to say to me, learn how to pray. 
prayer very important, you know. And I kind of, I never understood it at the time, but I kind of understand it now, you know. It's not praying to something great out there. It's praying in here within your own your own heart, you know, finding that spirit within and talking to that spirit within encouragingly. You know, the worst thing we can do as spiritualists is absolutely pull ourselves down into bits. And we do that. You know, somewhere in the book as well, I can't remember where, but I remember Spirit saying, and I think I put it there, when Spirit said to me, you know, when you treat yourself this way, I weep. I weep for you. And that was my guy. And honest to God, it was like cutting me with a knife. Never had I ever thought of that. Never had I ever thought of the impact that I would have on somebody so beautiful, you know, so lovely as spirit, that I would cause that, you know. So to me, you know, your ethics is, is kindness. Be kind. Show compassion, not only to yourself, but to others. You know, be happy. You can be happy. You're 50% of the way there. You know, any would-be mediums that are listening to this, be happy in your mediumship. I don't think enough of us are. You know, find the joy in it. God knows you to say that. Find the joy in what you do. You know, because what we do is an absolute privilege, but it's something so magical. It's, you know, it's one of those great mysteries that's unraveled before us. You know, you believe in yourself, believe in what you do, and most of all, believe in the spirit world. They will never, ever let you down. There's only you can do that. You know? Yes. Can you imagine living life knowing all the time that you're surrounded by a group that love you and want you to have a great life? And then also imagine how they feel about you, each one of us, how our loved ones and guides feel about us. And then when we look in the mirror that we feel that way about us. And then when we deal with people and everybody's dealing with their own baggage and their own lives, yeah. But instead of being judgmental, look at them through that eyes of love. Yeah. What a way I think to live. The best way is, and, and Gordon always used to say this, and so did Glenn. Glenn was the one that really hammered it home, home to me. Uh, and a lot of the time, you've got to love yourself. You've got to learn to love you. And I had real problems with that. You know, truth be known, I still do in a little way, you know. So it's, it's a work in progress. You know, so you've really got to look, you know, your spirituality starts with you, it ends with you. You know, you want to make gains forward, then look at who you are, look at what you're doing. Things not going right in your life, well, then make so. I used to say to my uh, sister, and when she would come and moan to me, and she would moan about, oh, I... I hate my job and do, 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 and all this. So I decided one day, you know what? How would spirit answer this? So when she was set about her little 
little game of what she did with it. She'd say, I really hate my job. So help tumble these words from my mouth. So change it. I hate my life. So change it. I hate this. So change it. I hate that. So change it. By this time, she's looking a bit furious at me. Sure. And then she'll be doing something else. So change it. And then she stopped. And I just said to her, and I believe it was spirit, all this was just change the things you hate, change them to love, change them to like. You can't change everything today. So put it to one side and change it when you get the chance. We can do a little bit every day. And we can. Practice self-love. I don't think anybody has self-love handled, but that's part of the journey of being human. It really is. Chris, I know you've suffered loss. Sisters, your mom, you've experienced grief. You certainly have. And you've also experienced the spirit world. We have lots of people watching and listening today that are definitely experiencing this grief. Yes. What words would you have for them? Well, I've lost, so far, I've lost, out of a, a family of seven of us, I've lost five. I've lost mother, father, and three sisters now. And there's just one sister left and myself. And, you know, the first one, even as a medium, you know, you think we've got, you know, we've made a steal, we can get through this knowing what we know, you know. But the first sister I lost, I lost, she was committed suicide. And that was a, and she was the youngest of the family. That was a big, big thing. And it sent me into a little bit of a downward spiral, you know, where it took my other sister a year or so later just to say to me, I see you alive, but you're not living. And that really hit me, you know, and I understood then. We all suffer or going to suffer loss. And that isn't, that is a pain that isn't to be shied away from, you know. It is something that we will go through because of the physical life we live. You know, our bodies get old, our minds change, everything happens to us. But the way we see it as spiritual people is that the essence of us, that very essence of us, lives on, moves forward, goes on. But they don't forget about us. They still love who we are. They still love that very essence of the people they've left behind, you know? So really, I tend to think about it that I, you know, I'm more close to my sisters now that they're in the spirit world than I was in the physical, because we had the physical distance of miles between us. But now, at a thought, I can send out my thoughts to them, my love, I can talk to them, and likewise back to me, you know? Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll miss that, that physical loss and that pain, you know, but that's part of who we are, that's part of the human existence. But we all look for something and hope and pray that they live on. You know, we all do. I don't care whether you believe in this or you don't, but we all look for something. And then perhaps you'll go to a medium to find that out, to just know. 
You know, 90% of people or even higher go to a medium just because they want to know their loved one is okay. That's all. You know, and it's down to the medium to portray that. You know, we do. So my best advice to you is, you know, if you're suffering grief and suffering loss, first of all, speak to them. Speak to the ones you've lost in the spirit world. Send your thoughts, your concerns, and I bet you will start to feel something. You'll start to feel maybe a little bit of comfort, maybe a little bit of a, I don't know, a breeze or a touch. And understand that's them trying to get through to you, that they're okay. Then perhaps go to a medium afterwards, you know, and see what they want to say to you. And I bet it is the first words will be, I'm all right. I'm okay. You know, so it's easy, I suppose, for me and you and I, Sandra, to say life goes on because we've experienced it in different ways. You know, for those who haven't yet had that experience, then start your journey. You know, don't be just led by what I say or any other medium or any other spiritual. Find it out for yourself because it is only you that can make it believable, make it real. You know, I know it's real. You know it's real. But our experiences cannot force that upon you. You have to find that yourself. So start your journey. Start looking into what excites you about it. You know, what is it that's drawing you to it? What is, what is it that's made you ask that ultimate question? Do we go on? Start your journey and it will be an excitable and enjoyable journey. That's my advice. That's for sure. So I want to just talk about a few things and then I'm going to ask you for some final words. Well, not final, but for this this episode anyways. Your website, chrisjacobsmedium.co.uk. I see you're busy. You're at churches, you do workshops, you do online courses as well. And do you still welcome people to contact you for medium reading? Yes, I do. I do readings all the time. I don't advertise them on the website, but I'm I'm pretty busy with those as well. So you can contact me through them and I will, you know, give you available dates. So yes, I do them. And there's a lot more that I haven't actually put on the website, which uh, <laughs> I must get up to date. Yes. You know, and also I'm approachable via uh, Facebook too. Oh, perfect. Is it Chris yeah. Jacobs Medium? It is Chris Jacobs. Uh, there's, there's two. There's Chris Jacobs and there's Chris Jacobs Clairvoyant uh, Medium Tutor. Okay. Oh, okay. And I also add for those who are, you know, who are listening now, um, or, you know, going to be listening now, that on the 19th of May, if you're wanting to experience it and see how we do, uh, um, via uh, Zoom, and it's actually advertised on Facebook, uh, myself and another medium will be doing a, a charity demonstration, for char- and all the proceeds will go to the, a homeless charity. How wonderful. How wonderful. You know, and that's because I believe, you know, I'd been shown so much beauty. I had been given so much through this beautiful work 
I don't even call it work, really. This experience of what I've, I do and what I understand and what I've seen, that I believe in giving back, that I want to do that. You know, I want to share it with people because it's a beautiful thing, just like you. You love to share it. And it's something we're passionate about, you know, because it's real. It exists. It's real to us. I've had the experiences I have had. You know, I've seen the things I have seen. I've even seen Gordon Higginson do his uh, transmediumship. And wow, that was brilliant at the AFC, the Arthur Finley College. You know, and, and that was quite a long time ago. And the things I've seen, I cannot doubt. There's no room for doubt. No room for doubt. I love that. For our listeners or our viewers, if you are on YouTube for episode 393, I have live links to Chris's website, the book, beautiful book, and the demonstration. And of course, we welcome you to go to his website because he's going to update it with more things of where he's going to be so you can see him live. Chris, what- Sorry, can I just add the book is yes. actually on sale on Amazon. Yes, absolutely. And- Tell us the title again. I know I have it, but. A life Far From Ordinary, My Life With Spirit. You know, why did I call that? That was the one thing that jumped really out to me because, you know, for me, it was an ordinary life. It was perfectly ordinary because that's all I knew. And it was only when I was writing the book and that's, that jumped out at me that really, actually, it isn't, it, it isn't ordinary. It's far from it. And so there was no other title. I love it. And you're a regular person and we can hear ourselves in you with the struggles. And I feel very much the same way. And out of my deepest, darkest times came my best life ever. And it's being able to understand my journey, continuing to learn, and most importantly, sharing with other people. And I think the magic is when you can share and make a difference for another I feel that we are rewarded with a wonderful life, wonderful friends, wonderful opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what I would say is that like the parting thing here is, yes, I'm a medium. I Am I a saint? No. Do I make mistakes? Of course I do. You know, but the beauty of this life is that I wake up every morning afresh that I have a chance to explore again, to correct, to further my knowledge of the spirit world and of myself and find the beauty within that. You know, we are all beautiful beings. Why? Because we are spirit. We are of God. And if we only took the time to realize that, then maybe our eyes will see things of beauty again because we do live in a beautiful world. It's just some people don't do beautiful things within it. And if we can start to realize it and see that for ourselves, then you, I, and everybody else on this planet can change it for the better. And that's all I would add. Chris, thank you for being our guest today. I'm absolutely honored. Thank you. Well, and for our listener or our viewer, thank you 
for taking the time with us. As a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com. On that home page, if you scroll down to the bottom and you'd like a free copy of my book, just put in your email address and your name and up will pop a screen. It says the first few chapters of my book, but the secret is it's the entire book. I don't want anything to get between you having this information. Uh, I don't want money to come in between. I should say that. And also chapter 10 is how to survive grief. I have done a lot of work and a lot of research on the grieving process and why it hurts so bad and what chemical changes are happening within our body and things that we can do that are in our control, things that are out of control, our control, and how to be gentle on ourselves, how to move through the grieving process. I think even though life after death is important and there's chapters on living a powerful life, it is understanding the grieving process, I think is the most important chapter. Also at wedontdie.com, you can go to the store page, you can sign up for our live free and paid events. We've got classes and all kinds of things going on. Feel free to check that out. And of course, attend one of our Sunday gatherings they are non-denominational, open for everyone, filled with music and positivity. And there's a different theme each week. And of course, there's a medium demonstration included, and that is on Zoom. And if you've enjoyed this, please share however you're watching or listening to this. You know, most people on the, on planet Earth believe in the afterlife. But I also think most people are afraid to share about it because we think other people don't. But if you get into a conversation with someone, you never know, they will have maybe some psychic experience that happened, or they've been to a medium. And I feel when we're free to share who we are, life is good. And not everybody will agree with this, but so be it. You know, I think human beings need to be respected. We're all on our individual journey. So fear not. Again, I want to thank Chris for being here. Visit his website, chrisjacobsmedium.co.uk. And in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I'm always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. You are surrounded by loving beings and your loved ones who have passed. You're never alone. Take some time. For self-love, think of how much they love you and give yourself some of that love right back. So I want to thank you for listening or for watching, and we'll see you again soon. Mm -hmm.